dive deep into the realm of large language models, prompt engineering, and best practices. With over 25 years of combined AI and product engineering experience, here are your hosts, Bradley Arsenault and Justin Macarin. Hello, Brad. Good evening, Justin. So, Brad, when I build these prompts, and I'm building a lot of prompts, I like making prompts. But when I build these prompts, you know, sometimes I put the instruction at the beginning. Sometimes I'll put the instruction at the end of the data. Um, sometimes I'll use, you know, a chain of thought type approach. Sometimes I'll split down a problem into smaller parts. And it's very difficult for me to pinpoint the right starting approach when building my initial, my very first prompt, and even sometimes my second prompt. And I'm curious to learn if you've encountered the same problem. You know, I have had the same question, which is like, there's a way of writing these prompts that's like kind of very natural. And, you know, that's how you would explain it if you're talking to someone. Uh, they're like your employee or something. And, uh, but that very natural way is kind of putting the data like inline, sort of in the middle. And it's kind of weird, you know, embedding it in the middle of a sentence if it's like a big block of data. So, so, so Brad, Brad, I'm, I'm just going to cut you off. And, and this is just to ensure that everyone's very clear on definition over here. A prompt can be made up of instructions and it could be made up of data. And those yes. instructions can be placed at the top or at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So, like, here's an example is that I have um, some instructions that uh, say, uh, look at this uh, data, and if you see anything that is related to background information about a client, uh, please display that for me. Pull, pull that out of this larger block of data. So that's my instructions. And the block of data may be like pages in a big, long Word document or a PDF. You know, I like how you say, please, you want to make sure you're polite with, with the large language model. I actually, that is something I intend to test. I swear <laughs> I want to find out. It's just the Canadian in me, but I'm going to find out if the please makes a difference one day. Very <laughs> good. Um, but no, so I, I really, I had this, this, this basic question. It seems so trivial. Like uh, I have this big block of text. I got to put it at the beginning. I got to put it or put it at the end. Uh, what works better? And um, I didn't really have a way to answer that. But once I, I started working on FlowThought and we had this bulk upload and uh, uh, all this work with the thesis, um, I have finally put together a, an experiment that answers this question. All right. So what was the experiment? What kind of prompts are we testing over here? Instruction at the beginning, at the end, where, where are these instructions? What are we testing? So the background is um, I'm trying to make a prompt graph with FlowThought that can analyze project plans. And I'm using proposals from my electric brain days, you know, way back in the day, my old proposals yep. uh, has the feed material that I'm processing. So the prompt here is trying is looking at data within these proposals, pages of the document. They're literally their PDF files. 
Uh, actually, a lot of them are word files, but uh, you know, clients. Anyhow, uh, they're, they're, you, you run the prompt with that page of text as the data, and it's just like, hey, look at this. Uh, can you please find the background information? And so these PDFs are like 15 pages. And the prompt, the prompt also says, if you don't find the background information, please output no information found. So you run it against like 15 pages and page three has background information and you hope that 14 times the, the result is no information found and, and one time it actually outputs that pa paragraph of background information that you care about. Okay, so where are these prompts going in? Are they going at the beginning? Are they going at the bottom? Or the instructions? So I, that was the thing I wanted to experiment with. My, my kind of initial thought is like, put the data first and the instructions at the end. Uh, and that's how I kind of built my initial template designs. And, and that works pretty well. But I wanted to test this rigorously. So I built code that would auto-generate 60 different prompt designs. Um, and those prompt designs would have different kind of text describing what was to be extracted and, and but would also have different constructions. What, some would put the data first, some would put the instructions first, but also I tested a few few kind of weirder designs. So putting the instructions first, then data, then repeating the instructions a second time. Interesting. That, Almost like, like a sandwich. Yes, yes. That's key. I keep thinking like this is like a sandwich prompt, you know? Okay. Um, so, yeah, we have the instructions, data instructions. That's one version. But then there's its inverse, which is data instructions data, which where, I thought was crazy. Where, I didn't expect it to. Where, to where now, do well. Brad, with, with that inverse, with data instruction data, we can assume that the prompt will now use significantly more tokens. Because now you're actually providing it so much text. Yeah, yeah. There is a cost for sure to doing uh, this particular uh, prompt design. But, you know, if the result, if it's important to you to improve the results, uh, then that, you know, maybe is worth it to you. So I guess, how did you go about, before we even get started with what the results were, how did you go about kind of figuring out the best way to measure the quality of output? So this was tricky um, because they're, you're running this completion a lot of times. And my first thought was to use assertion prompts. But I, didn't, I wanted to double check whether those assertion prompts were actually good. And they, to get that data, I had to do manual verification. And... I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's no avoiding the groundwork. So yeah. I sat down and I wrote a little command and it would pop up with like, this was the prompt. Here was the result. Rank it one to 10. I found the, the vast majority of the prompts uh, had a lot of false positives. They extracted a lot of irrelevant text. Um, some... A smaller number of the prompts would have false negatives. It would extract too little text, or it would only do the client's name, but 
no background information. Um, and a lot of it was in the middle, you know, maybe it was half, half or whatever. So I just ranked them all one to 10. I went through 900 samples. That's, uh, that's, a, lot, that's, that's a lot of sitting down and manual labeling, but it's, it's, it's required. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I intend to correlate it to the results of the assertion prompts so that it, if I want to, I can do more experiments. And right. then I know that my assertion prompts are highly correlated to my manual kind of validated yep. uh, ground truth data. So very then cool. I can do a, I can do more, even more experiments uh, with, with very little effort. Anyhow, so I manually uh, sat down and, and yeah, scored them 1 to 10, basically. And the 1 to 10 number is basically the quality of the output coming out. Why not 1 to 5? Or like why 1 to 10? What were the the criteria that that you were taking into account there? Well, I'd, I probably didn't think of it too much. Um, I kind of thought of it, I guess, as like intersection over union, be, which means like how much of the text that it output is what I uh, what I wanted it to output versus how much of it was garbage. And if so, it's like. If if it had like one paragraph was correct, but then it added in a bunch two paragraphs of false positive, I kind of gave that a three out of ten. Whereas okay. if it was like one correct, one wrong, I kind of gave that five out of ten. And if it was like one paragraph and it was like the exact right perfect paragraph, that's a ten out of ten. So I kind of just ranked things that way, where I was like looking at how much of this this text was was the thing I wanted it to output. So basically, we have a goal, and the goal is to extract relevant customer data from these paragraphs or from these pages. And yeah. with that goal, you created this tool that automatically generated a bunch of different prompts. One prompt was one instruction, data. Another one was data, instruction. Another one was data, instruction, data. Another one was instruction, data, instruction. And yep. and just kept on growing. And and and. and I remember yesterday you actually talked to me about this hamburger, you know, prompt where where you had, you know, instruction, data, instruction, data, instruction. And so now you have the Big Mac prompt. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of threw that one in for just shits and giggles. I didn't really. And, <laughs> and so now you have many different prompt types and you have a very well defined data set that you're going to test it against. And moment of truth, what were the results? So this was, it was interesting. Um, so I kind of like started diving into the results. And like the first thing I did is like, okay, let's take a look at the average score for each of these different prompt designs. And there was one prompt that clearly came out with like a dominant score. And that was the uh, data instruction data prompt this one i did not expect to come out on top so i really didn't <laughs> you would pass in a paragraph or a page worth of information then instruction then a page or paragraph worth of instruction yeah intuitively to me this one actually seems the most confusing yeah and when, when you when i looked at the response responses there were a decent number of cases where the model would actually look at that text in the middle and 
and kind of extract it as well as it was as, as if it was part of the data. It, it clearly this was kind of like a confusing setup. But on average, in those other cases, it actually worked pretty reliably. So on average, it did better, even though occasionally it, it the, the model does get confused in, in the way that you would expect. I guess occasionally all large language models kind of get confused. A, f- a, a follow-up question would be, did you see any significant difference? You say it's best. It could be best by 1%. Did you see any like material difference between the sandwich approach and a non-sandwich approach? Yeah, this is so this is where we go from like, here's a fun test to like, are these results scientifically valid? Um, So I ran a statistical test to look at the uh, whether there was a different average score an average mean score for these different designs for the prompts. And you can look at, say, the two non sandwich prompts, like the data instruction and instruction data. And you can look at the ordering there. If you do a statistical test, the results show no statistical difference. So the kind of original question that I had, should you put the data first or should you put the instruction first? The answer is it doesn't matter, at least as far as my results on this experiment say. It doesn't appear to matter. So as long as it's a sandwich we're good and the sandwich actually performs better than instruction data or data instruction yeah actually that's so that's where i was going is uh if we look at the the sandwich prompts and you compare the sandwich prompts against each other also no statistical difference but if you compare the sandwich prompts to the non-sandwich prompts so the the data instruction data or the the uh instruction data instruction you compare that to the ones that that don't have that repetition, the sandwich prompts clearly do better. And they have a statistical significance that was, uh, let me pull up the number here. Um, Sandwich with non-pramp sandwich, p-value 0.008%. So... You know, we're talking, the, the F statistic was 15.8. Like, the, the results are extremely significant. There is a difference between the sandwich prompts versus the non-sandwich prompts. But there's no difference between, you know, the different variants of the sandwich prompt and the different variants of the non-sandwich prompt. So, this is super interesting because I, I feel like there's a lot of similarity to how humans dialogue where, you know... With a large language model, there's a possibility that we want to provide it an instruction so that a large language model just gets that initially. Then you provide it with data that may dilute the instruction. And then finally, you provide it with the instruction at the end to reinforce that initial instruction. So that's kind of a sandwich prompt design. That's kind of very similar to how humans do it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about how we structure uh, uh, essays. Uh, in the paragraph one, say what you're going to say. In the meat, here's here's the meat. And then in conclusion, say what you already said. Or if you're giving instructions to your employee, it's, uh, you're going to be like, okay, I, I need you to uh, do some uh, the, the, this software project. And then you kind of describe the details of the software project. And then you'll at the end being like, okay, are we, uh, are we all aligned? 
Uh, did every is everybody clear? Here's the top priorities. The double checking here. We do this in human language where we kind of double check, we repeat things in, in everyday language. And it appears that to some extent, the repetition also helps our artificial intelligence here. And, and I so, think on, on this example, it worked particularly well because the data that I was operating on, that piece in the middle, was really long. Like it was like a part particularly big chunks of text. So it makes a lot of sense to me that repeating the instruction a second time would stabilize the results. What I didn't expect was that if you repeat the data twice and you have this skinny little one sentence instruction in the center, that that would also work pretty well. That was that was a genuine shock. Yeah, that that is surprising. You you'd almost guess that 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 instruction just gets diluted in the sea of data, are you using any like delimiters over here, like double new lines or triple hashtags or anything like that to kind of- Tri Triple quotes. I put triple quotes around the data. That was what's recommended on OpenAI's website. So I continue to use, I want to use another way of wrapping data, like test different options. Like what if, what if we just used all the symbols? Like we use like left caret, left bracket, left curly brace, and left quote. And like if we just use them all, would that give a stronger signal to the AI that this is the data? I, I don't know, but it's something I want to test for sure. I guess one of the concerns I would have is that there are many different large language models out there. Do we need to rerun these tests all the time for all the different large language models like are is is the fact that this sandwich prompt over here working for i assume open ai gpt 3.5 or gpt 4 it works for that really well is it going to work really well for llama 2 is it really going to work really well for llama 3 is it going to work really well for maybe cohere or Claude or or another large language model on on the market today I think you just came up with a podcast episode that we're going to release a couple of months from now. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, it's a really good question, and I don't have the answer. But what I can say is that these large language models, as we know, they have two phases, right? First, you do the next word prediction, but then you do the fine-tuning that gives it uh, the, the kind of instruction response mode, where it's able to like look at the instructions and that second step, the, 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 the reinforcement step that is done in training these models, um, that piece is going to vary between Llama, between GPT, between uh, different models. So it, it's absolutely possible that this design might work differently in different models. Um, we just don't know. It's certainly not a, it's not a natural thing to write in English uh, other than like the analogy we to essays we were we were already making so in one of our previous podcasts we talk about this prompt development life cycle where we start off with a single prompt you start to to refine the prompt you give it examples then you you convert it into a fine-tuned model do you think that this might be a good approach where where we start off with a single prompt where now instead of you know having data instruction we have a sandwich prompt and that'll actually yield better results and we'll actually be able to get to our goal faster i think so uh absolutely um if you're just running that completion a thousand times 
to build your initial data set that you're going to use a fine to fine tune a model with, you don't really care that you've duplicated the data. You're just not running that completion enough times. You know, it's still on you average, you one penny is now two pennies. Okay, big whoop, you know. And, and I guess it might also save you like manual review time. It might actually save you, you know, assertion prompt car. Like it might save you more money to give it a lot of data initially and to really make sure that the results of the output are of high quality. So then in the future, we spend less time on analyzing. We spend less time on kind of like selecting the wrong results from the list. Um, Absolutely. Uh, it, it did that human time is worth a lot more money than, uh, you know, d the completions you're getting from your language model like that. As expensive as these language models are relative to, say, like an API server, which is like dirt cheap, um, they're still very, very cheap relative to human brains. <laughs> Fred, this was a fantastic discussion where, where we basically discussed that the sandwich prompt actually performs better than a standard data instruction instruction data prompt thank you very much for um for sharing that that insight absolutely so the sandwich is the way to go repeat your oh instructions God. or repeat your data that's that's all we that's the result of this experiment and we're going to post actually that we'll we'll do up an article we'll post the results where you could people will be able to review the data and uh look at uh the analysis that was that was done and and the statistical significance and uh, hopefully uh, this idea of sandwich prompting uh, catches on and it is able to improve results for people. I like it. I like it, Brad. All right. Well, take care. Have a good evening, and we will chat soon. Talk to you later, Justin. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe and stay updated on our latest content. We appreciate your support.